Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Easter. I'm an executive coach and a strong advocate of superior leadership. On this podcast, we explore the essence of leadership through interviews and dialogue and provide you with tangible steps you can take to improve your leadership performance. As a best-selling author, John Maxwell says, leadership is about one life influencing another. The stories, experiences, and wisdom you hear throughout each episode will inspire you to step up, lead, and influence those around you. I'd like to welcome you to today's episode of the Healthcare Leadership Excellence Podcast. Again, a pleasure to have Maz Antolin with us, and we are going to be discussing a very sensitive yet vital theme in today's workplace. So Maz, can you introduce that theme for us? Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. We are going to talk about um, addressing the stigma around mental health in workplaces. So, Carl, what do you think leaders can do to create a supportive and compassionate environment for employees to address the stigma going around the workplaces about mental health? Well, this, that, it's a very, very pressing topic as we look at the generations that are dealing with the work site right now. Um, there's a lot of controversy regarding millennials and Gen Zs and Gen Xs. There's an excellent book by um, Tim Elmore on generational diversity that I would recommend to anybody. I, there are two things that come to mind. I think as leaders, we have the we have a dual role. Mental health, obviously, is just as important as physical health. Yet we really haven't caught up in today's work site with that. I've seen multiple examples. If someone blows out their knee while they're skiing, they easily are out for two weeks as before they can come back and they work it out through whatever benefits they have. But if someone is in a grief response or is suffering from depression or anxiety, the statistics between it about anxiety in Generation Z right now are sobering. Uh, just and let's say even if the statistics are half of what the press says they are, we got a problem. So I think it's twofold. We definitely have to help those members of our work site who are struggling. We have to help them with throughout any benefit or making our work site as focused as possible, as rewarding as possible. Yet at the same time, and this may bring some feedback for our podcast, I love the quote that good leaders prepare their people for the path. They don't prepare the path for the people. And when you think about that, that's profound. I think right now there's too much of an emphasis on removing all obstacles that might trigger somebody instead of helping them deal with the triggers. As a leader, we cannot eliminate all the triggers. We can't put a bubble around people 
that will protect them enough. So if there is an existing mental health condition, we need to address that. I think, though, that the biggest impact is having a viewpoint that says, let's help our people become more resilient. Let's help them learn good problem-solving skills. Let's help them learn conflict leadership. The, the resources around, especially the lat, well, those two. McKinsey wrote a marvelous book called Bulletproof Problem Solving that should be required reading for anyone who is feeling anxious about just getting through a workday because it describes how to solve problems. And it describes it in a seven-part detailed approach. It is amazing writing. And then Harvard Project on Negotiation, their books about conflict and leading conflict and working through conflict. Maybe we can put these books in the reading notes. But Roger Fisher, uh, Getting to Yes, Getting Together, um, Patton, Stone, Patton, and Heen are the three authors of. Um, Difficult Conversations. Uh, Stone and Heen are the authors of, I think it's um, Asking for Feedback is the book. Again, super um, resources. So if our readers are wanting to solve mental health situations, certainly you know, they can reach out to us through this podcast. We can talk with them at any time. But if they want the resources about how to prepare their people for the path. And I just I just finished a nine-month project with a marvelous organization where once a month for three hours, so really a total of 27, nearly 30 hours of instruction, and most of it landed right on how to deal with conflict at the work site. Thanks for those um, recommendation. And I really do agree with you that resilience is something that we need to prioritize. I mean, the path to resilience, instead of putting out fires out there, we need to focus on, um, you know, building a resilient generation. So what can we do? And not just as workplace or organizations, but really in this generation, how can we build resilience and kind of how can we help people around us to start their journey to being resilient people who are prepared to future paths and, you know, crisis ahead of them? Wow. What a great question. And I would like, as we go back and forth on this one, you're asking some good questions here. So I don't want it to just be me talking. Uh, let's draw a parallel between mental conditioning and physical conditioning. I know a lot of our listeners, and I know that many of them have athletic backgrounds. It would be a very appropriate analogy that as I'm getting ready to run, let's say, a 10K race in, a, in three months, I can get online and there are Example after example, the first week I run three miles a day for five days. 
by the eighth week, I've built up, and that's, let's see, that's 15 miles a week. By the eighth week, I'm up to about 30 miles a week. Why? Because the more fit you are, the faster you can go. Um, we've written about it in some of our leadership writings. Um, our little grandson, uh, he's learning the piano. The music he's playing now, six months in, is much different than what he started with six months ago. His fingers and his eye coordination are growing every single lesson. But if he misses a couple of weeks, he falls back. If I know that in um, physical training, if I skip a week, it sets me back. If I skip a month, it's like I never started. So I need to keep up a consistent pattern. So how do we build resilient people? Resilience is mental strength. It's the ability to flex. It's the ability to pivot. It's the ability to say what I had planned is not going to happen. What can I do next that will be just as effective? And those are skills that have to come just like if I start doing 10 push-ups a day today and I try to do 50 tomorrow, it's not going to work well. But if I do one more every day, by the time I've hit a month and a half out, I'll be doing 50 a day just by building one more a day. So when we're helping our perhaps family members, and let me just take it through a, through a continuum here. Um, if we have children, one of the best things we can do for society is help that child learn mental strength. And that does not mean we open every door for them. Uh, it's just, it's the same way that none of us with a child would ever pick up that child every time they tried to walk just so they didn't fall down. We don't do that. I've now watched five of our grandchildren learn to walk. And it, every time, Maz, impresses me that they fall, they get up, they fall, they get up, they fall, they get up. You have a little daughter and you've seen her do that. And But at no time would you think it's okay for you to pick her up and say, you know, oh, honey, let's not have you walk today because you're falling down a lot. Never, but we do that all the time mentally. You know, if I cringe when I hear stories from friends of mine that are teachers and that tell me about parents coming in and being upset that their child got a lower grade because they didn't turn in their homework, that doesn't teach resilience. Um, the good parent is the one that says, well, yeah, that's a lot of homework. How can I help you do that? But not going to the teacher and saying you're giving too much homework. Um, because when college hits and when work hits, they're going to have very tight demands on them. That's why many people don't make it in college is because the workload is so radically different than high school. So we don't do our, our children 
are which is a huge responsibility those of our listeners that are parents in order to prepare them for life we've got to give them the skills that we know they're going to be required to have and that would be again mental flexibility problem solving emotional intelligence a discipline working first playing second and i can hear people saying oh my goodness this guy's a dinosaur um people don't do that anymore um and i'd argue that many people don't but they're the ones that are satisfied with average the people and look at look at the top performers look at who people watch on tv in regards to sporting events or music events if someone came to you maz and said maz i've got tickets to this amazing concert the band's really not good they only practice a couple of hours a day but the tickets are really cheap who's going to go to that concert no one no one wants to hear average no one wants to watch average um there's some teams here in the United States, uh, baseball teams, and you you click on the TV and you see there's maybe 10,000 people in a 40,000 person um, stadium. Why? Because the team's lousy. No one wants to watch a lousy team. And I don't think people like being on an average team. They like being on a high performing team. Uh, I now there are some that really do not care about that, but we're not talking about them on this podcast. We're talking about those who really want, if they've got some mental challenges, they they want a way not to have them anymore. They want it better. They want it different. And I think as leaders, there's so much we can do. Let's say someone's really struggling with anxiety at the workplace. Then let's bring them in, offer them all the support that our benefit package can give them, and then to go beyond that and help them, you know, ask them what's causing them the anxiety. Well, you've given me this assignment and I don't think I'm capable of it. So I'm losing sleep. Great. Let's then, not great that they're losing sleep, but great that you're asking these questions. So what would I need to give you, you know, if you're talking to me, Maz, and you're my boss, Carl, what would I need to help you with so that you feel capable? What you don't want to do is say, oh, Carl, I didn't realize. Let me, let me pay you the same, but give you only half the responsibility. You've only perpetuated the problem. So I need you to say, Carl, you've got talents here. And you're letting some stuff get in the way. Let's work together to figure out how to leverage your talents to meet the assignments that your job requires. And I know you can do it. And then as I walk out of your office, you're making some mental notes that you need to follow up with me tomorrow. And you need to follow up, not micromanage me, but Carl, how you doing? How you doing on what we talked about yesterday? Where can I help you? You might say, Carl, like you're my only employee? 
I, I've got 10 direct reports. I don't have time for that. That's true. You probably don't. And not all 10 are like Carl that have anxiety. Um, but if they are, that's people as a leader are your job. Yeah, but I, I've got things that got to be have to be done. They're, they're tasks that we need to do. You take care of your people and they will take care of your tasks every single time. Now, if they're not, you've got the wrong people in the slot. But if I'm a struggling employee and you bring me in and say, Carl, you're succeeding here is super important to me. What can I do? What can we do to help you succeed? And just like you wouldn't pick up your little girl because she's falling all the time when she's learning to walk, don't pick me up and take from me the very thing that is going to eventually help me dominate my anxiety. It, it doesn't work and it never has. Um, a child that is always carried never learns to walk. An employee who has opportunities taken away from him so that he doesn't get too anxious is always going to remain anxious. There may be some clinical exceptions. And if that's the case, we'll work with those as leaders. But the majority of times I've worked before I started doing a lot of coaching, I did thousands of hours and my specialty was depression and anxiety. And at no time did a client of mine improve because we took struggle away. They improved because we gave them tools to deal with the struggles without exception. Without exception. Because then it's just like me learning an instrument. I, I started to play the guitar before my life got busy. And it's still sitting over there. But just in a matter of months, I was getting better. Not because I played simpler songs, but because I had good instruction and I practiced. So now there's some listening that I know will disagree. Because right now in our society, we want to make people's lives better. So we take away their challenge which in the short term makes them feel better. But then the challenge comes back, maybe in a different form, but it will come back unless the person withdraws from life entirely. The challenge will come back and then they're frustrated yet again. And they get more anxious because I was anxious three months ago. I got better or so I thought, but they didn't get better. We just took away we just took away the challenge and then the challenge comes again and they get discouraged again. Instead of having a good leader like you walk beside them and say, you know, Carl, I have really noticed that you're dealing a lot better with things. I am so pleased. Okay. And there will be some, all oh, that's false praise. It's not false praise if it's true. And so don't say it if it's not true, but people that are mentored well will improve. So again, I could ramble on all day on this one, but it's, I just go back and I think it was Tim Elmore who coined the phrase, don't prepare the path for the people, prepare the people for the path. 
and they will thank you the rest of their lives because you've given them tools to confront ongoing challenges that whether or not they stay with your organization, as they stay with life, they're going to run into it all the time. I've never felt better because I avoided something. Excellent point. And thank you for sharing that, Carl. I agree with you that having someone who really believes in you and, you know, tells you that you can do it, mm-hmm. the champions for your growth, it makes a world of difference. And if we can develop that kind of culture, I believe we have a better shot of being more resilient. Absolutely. I talked to a group uh, just on Friday, uh, just two, three days ago, 30 young people that are in challenging situations. And we just don't give the message enough of high demand and high connection. You you love your people. You're supporting of them. When they feel that and you pull alongside and say, I know you can do this. This is going to be a stretch, but you can do this. And they do it because they felt that. And again, in the work side, it's kind of, oh, yeah, you love your people. Yes, you care for them. You care for them deeply. When they hurt, you hurt. Um, You don't let it take you down, but you're concerned for them. Uh, One of my best mentors, Paul Martinelli. Um, Paul is a busy guy. He flies all over the world. And I had to rearrange a meeting with him last February or last January, right after my father passed away. What shows up the very next day, all the way from Florida, is this gorgeous arrangement with a very tender message on the card. Paul doesn't have to do that, but Paul does that because he knows that builds that level of caring that when then he needs to push me as one of my mentors, I will respond. And I don't think at the time, oh, Paul sent me flowers, so I will now follow what he's suggesting. No, but it's that subconscious relationship. Paul cares enough about the non-business things, that when he's pushing an agenda on the business side, ready to run anytime. And (laughs) I've seen that with him over the last six years, six years since I met him. And he's just solid there. He does not back down when there's something that needs to happen, but he's constantly caring. It's just such a great example. And I could name many others, but High, high caring, high expectations, great things happen with that. It reminds me of what you put out on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, where you said that caring for your people is one of the most underrated leadership traits. Right? Oh, yeah, because it's it sounds, oh, caring for your people, like that produces results. We've got economic things we have to hit. Yeah, you do. You do. And the people you've hired will do that for you. But you, as the leader, are the only person that can care enough to motivate them to meet their expectations. That's right. So one of my biggest takeaways from this is that 
um, resilience comes from within and not the other way around. And that caring piece really stems the motivation for people to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so there is a crucial role for leaders to help people realize what they can be. Absolutely. Perfectly said. And no one else can do that. You as the leader are the one that can do that. Well, they, you know, we give them a paycheck. They should, no, no, no. They can get paychecks lots of places. Um, It's an employee's market right now. They will stay with you when they do exactly, when you do exactly what you described of letting them know you believe in them. You give them a pathway that they can realize it and your retention rates are going to go through the roof. Thank you, Carl. It has been an inspiring conversation. Thanks for all your insights. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for being with us on yet another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Excellence Podcast. We really appreciate your time and dedication to these messages and wish you the very best as you choose to lead well. See you in our next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We greatly appreciate your support and would be grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review for us on any of our platforms. Your feedback helps us expand our reach and impact more individuals. If you know a colleague who would benefit from listening and learning from leadership experts, we encourage you to share this podcast with them. Also, we'd like to invite you to use the link in the show notes to contact us for more information on our coaching, C-suite meeting facilitation, and leadership training programs. Thank you again for listening. Until we meet again, keep learning and leading with excellence.